world development be blessed by the divine we have been told from our childhood god is present in idols god is present in chanting mantras god is present in books and in shapes of photographs let us question that today let us not just blindly accept whatever we heard so far neither shall we blindly accept what i teach or what swami ji teaches let us question everything let us apply our own logical thinking and come to our own conclusion first let us inspect whether god is in the shape and form of an idol let us take your favorite god who is your favorite god sir childhood god shiva we go to a shiva temple we see a shivalinga what do you do when you see a shivalinga put your hands together and then before praying how are your eyes close where is shivalinga it is outside you should open your eyes in pray no sir why are you closing your eyes once you close your eyes where is shivalinga so whom are you worshiping to are you worshiping to shivalinga are worshiping to your own mind when we see an idol close our eyes our mind has expanded taken the shape of that idol why do you need that idol so god is not inside that idol even a child knows that your own mind is taking the shape of the idol therefore our past society our father mother our grandparents all the way up the first man who created this idol called the shiva must have created to teach us a lesson what is the lesson in this be inside you then only you can see god inside you so hint has been given idol is there we go we look at the idol we worship the idol but i still don't make any progress i've been to so many temples i've done so much of worship i don't see god what happens i only see the idol i am not able to disorient myself away from idol every time i close my eyes somebody says god shiva only comes to my mind that idol only comes to my mind the idol is me but then my mind is fixated on that idol i am not able to make progress beyond that idol so our gurus they said okay we understand that there is a challenge in that let us wean our mind away from only the shape of that idol and make you focus on some other sensation we cannot teach a child anything beyond bodily sensations then they said okay i sight means the boy gets stuck with that idol it will take him away from the just that visual image and perhaps a sound will help so they created chanting vibration they felt certain frequencies certain vibrations the mind started to become calm and the mind started to become calm there was hope that we can start to see god there in lay the problem that people started getting obsessive obsessive with the chanting of the mantra did not realize that silence which is the other end of sound was the actual reason 
for us to learn the mantra. For instance, Om. When you say Om. Om. To remove O. also you remove. This is silence. So in order to teach silence, they created this Om Mantra, Om Kara. Om, people got obsessed with Om. I am not belittling Om Kara at all. It's a great mantra. If you are interested, go ahead and do it. I am not stopping you. But all I am telling you, don't stop with only chanting Om Kara. Realize the true purpose behind it. Go beyond it. At one point of time, you will realize that it is the silence that was the original purpose of Omkara. So, when you remain one with that silence, mind becomes still. The stillness is what people were aiming to help you achieve. Once you reach the stillness, there is no need for you to chant the mantra. The mind has become still. Understood. But why? Why should the mind become still? What is it they were hoping for you to realize? As we meditate or chant or worship or focus our mind on idol or do pranayama or do kriya or any other tantric, mantric practice or any other yantra practice or anything, all kinds of worship forms or all kinds of physical kriya forms or mental discipline forms of yoga etc. were aimed towards self-realization. The mental frequency had to be reduced. We go from beta to alpha to theta to delta. Only in the delta frequency can we actually become one with that almighty force. To become one with almighty force is the truest form of yoga. Unfortunately, today yoga is understood to be bending your body, stretching your body. That is not yoga. That is physical exercises. I don't know why it is called yoga. We try to, you know, <laughs> kind of live in that illusion that physical exercises is yoga. That is not yoga. Yoga is remaining one with that almighty force in that blissful ecstatic state that is only possible if we are able to reduce the mental frequency for which we have to attain the state of being one with that origin, Adi. Adi is origin. Being one with that origin, Sama Adi. Sama means equal, equality. Being one. Being equal to that Adi is Samadhi. This also is misunderstood by many people. We think Samadhi means the person is dead and his soul has become one with the Almighty Force. No. That is death. <laughs> that is not Samadhi. Samadhi means while being alive, while living in this body, while actively doing what you are doing, your mind has fused itself, become equal, become one with that almighty force. Almighty therefore must be studied, understood and realized through our practices. 
Mind alone can help us to reach that level of perfection. It cannot be taught from somebody, learned from outside. It cannot be seen and perceived through your senses. It is not possible to taste Almighty. It is not possible to hear Almighty. It is not possible to see Almighty. It is not possible to smell Almighty. <laughs> I sensed nice smelling Almighty figure. No, it is Udbati, Agarbati that is smelling. It is not Almighty. We can't feel it. I feel, I feel Almighty. What are you feeling? Fan is running. That's all you are feeling. Some breeze is flowing across the room. You are perceiving it in your skin. That is not Almighty force. It is a transformational state of it. But through intuition, by reducing the mental frequency stage by stage from beta to alpha to theta to delta frequency, by focusing our mind on our own life force kundalini yoga, by practicing dhyana, we can reduce the frequency, reach samadhi. Samadhi is possible through dhyana. Dhyana is not chanting mantra. Dhyana is not idol worship. Dhyana is not pranayama. Nowadays even that got corrupted. Everything is meditation. You ask somebody, what are you doing? I am meditating. All he is doing is breathing. Breathing exercise is breathing exercise. That is not meditation. If you ask someone else who is sitting in the temple and ask him, what are you doing? I am meditating. He is chanting. Chanting is chanting. That is not meditation. Meditation is dhyana. That is focusing your mind on your own kundalini shakti, life force, energy, feeling the vibration in various chakras and going to subtle levels of frequency in order that you can reach the state of samadhi. Do not confuse the act of concentrating with the act of dhyana. In fact, there are people who call different types of meditation and then corrupted form of meditation. For instance, ignore everything that you are hearing. Let go of your mind. Let go of your emotions. Don't get distracted with anything outside of you. Are you able to reach a state of complete withdrawal? This is the highest form of meditation. No, this is the lowest form of meditation. This is pratyagara, not dhyana, withdrawal, not getting swayed, distracted from external sounds and external senses, sensory intrusions or bombardment of sensory instigations, is withdrawal of our mind away from our sensory organs. This is pratyagara. Concentration is dharana. Meditation is dhyana. Realization is Samadhi. Samadhi is possible only through Dhyana. Until then there is no meditation. Until then this is only mental exercises. By focusing our own mind on our life force, we begin to identify ourselves with the life force particles. The energy particles. There is energy. We felt the energy. We feel the energy when we meditate. Very clear, beautiful pulsation is being felt. We must go deeper into that and ask ourselves, where is that life force energy come from? Where can it come from? We feel the pulsation. What is the pulsation? 
it is a physical sensation of pressure. There is a pressure difference that is happening when we meditate, focus our mind and focus our mind over our life force at the Agna Chakra, like an ant crawling or a nice beautiful gentle breeze touching our screen. We feel a pulsation. It's a very physical, observable, perceivable sensation of Kundalini Shakti. It's very beautiful, gentle. It is fantastic. It's a gentle, beautiful pulsation of the life force spinning. Life force is spinning there. That is why you are able to perceive. What you are able to perceive is the magnetic conversion of the life force particle into pressure sensation at the chakra. Therefore, you are able to feel the life force. As you meditate on your own life force, you are able to transcend your mind to a calm level. Almost instantly, as soon as you start meditating, you will feel a peace, calm, tranquility, harmony. Very nice transcendent feeling, gentle feeling you get in your mind. There is no tantra, there is no yantra, there is no mantra, there is no idol, okay? There is no uh, temple, nothing is there. After all, if there is any temple, it's only this temple. These two temples in which we are focusing on. So this is the God, this is our temple for us. We have gone inside our own temple. And we are focusing on our own life force. We are going subtle levels of frequency. In that frequency, our mind begins to identify itself with the life force particle itself. As we start identifying ourselves with the life force particle, we begin to remain one with that fantastic life force spinning particle. It is a particle that spins at an extraordinary speed, like a globe, like a nice beautiful goalie. It is a force itself, entrapped within it, a divine mighty fluid, which is functioning as a spreading repulsive wave, also coming out of it in the form of expelled divine fluid which bends and causes a ripple effect and spreads a magnetic wave throughout the universe. The universe is nothing else but the formative dust particle and the mighty divine fluid entrapped within the formative dust particle and spreading as magnetic wave throughout the universe. So, it's, it's only these two things, mighty fluid functioning in two forms. One is entrapped mighty fluid, another one is spreading magnetic wave. This entrapped fluid is also present beyond the universe, everywhere. Consciousness is a primary character, characteristic of this almighty force. We can perceive the functioning of consciousness in all non-living forms in the form of precision in which it functions. Water has a specific gravity. Oil has a specific gravity. How can it have a specific gravity which is doesn't change? Unless some other element gets mixed with water or oil or coffee or tea. The specific gravity, the so-called the nature and the cause and effect system 
that is functioning in an unfailing manner within that particular element does not change. But once you mix something, for instance, you put water on a, on a kettle, put something and boil it, it becomes steam. Hot water, steam. Nature has changed. Specific gravity has changed. Multiple things have changed. Completely, it works with a different precision now. But that has this precision that cannot be failed in any way, that cannot be misunderstood. It functions, we know steam has got a particular character. Water has got a particular character. Ice has got a particular character. This is true for all non-living forms. Understanding and studying the nature and functioning of non-living forms is science. One portion of science. Another portion of science is understanding and studying deeply the nature and function of living forms. Zoology, botany, biology and all those kind of things. There is Panjabuddha in non-living form. There is Panjabuddha with certain free-flowing energy particles in the living form. There is life energy. That is why a plant is able to sense, a worm is able to sense, an insect is able to sense, bird is able to sense, bird, tiger or an animal is able to sense, a human being is able to sense. Perception is common for all life forms. Pressure, sound, light or heat, smell, taste. Therefore, the ability to perceive is an intelligence. It is embedded within the free-flowing energy particles. Then only it can come to the life forms. So, consciousness is now present in a characterized form. Why characterized form? In a plant, it is able to sense only the pressure. An insect is able to sense only the taste and the pressure. And let us say a bird is able to hear also. So now consciousness is fractionalized. It is characterized. That characterized form which we now call it as sensing ability, perceiving ability, so called the mind, is also a functioning quality of the consciousness itself but in a fractional manner, in a microcosmic manner. In a biomagnetic manner, within that biomagnetic body, within the physical body, there is life. Life forms this biomagnetism. The biomagnetism functions as the mind and with that mind it is able to perceive sense. Not only it is able to perceive, it is not only it is able to cognize, it is also able to create an experience within itself. Everything, for instance, everything that you have seen, heard, talked, you have smelled, tasted, you have touched, has become an experience for you. It has become an imprint somewhere. Where has it become an imprint? There is biomagnetism circulating throughout the body. Consciousness is functioning as biomagnetism. That consciousness compresses everything. When we see a cow, cow is some 4-5 feet in height and some 6 feet in length. As we are able to see that magnetic wave is compressing into a tiny dot in our eyes. As it goes inside, it compresses even further, becomes even tinier magnetic knot in the brain cells. From there it compresses even more and stores in our 
genetic center biomagnetic vortex center three dimensional center of any biomagnetic or any magnetic body is called as vortex any magnetism any magnetic field anywhere in the universe must have a center so therefore this biomagnetic system that is functioning within this life form forms a vortex where is this vortex draw a line from head to toe draw a line from left to right draw a line from front to back where the xyz axis meets mula aadhara chakra root chakra around the tailbone of the human vertebra is where this biomagnetic vortex is this is the genetic center see how consciousness is functioning now creating a magnetic cloud comprising of certain formative dust particles functioning within the formative cloud as a imprint as a magnetic knot knot consciousness has created a magnetic knot and stored it in your genetic center therefore the genetic center has magnetic knots from millions of years ago till today sanchita karma till the time of birth whatever we have experienced in our previous generations father mother grandfather grandmother all the way to the first human being to the first animal to the first plant to the first cell to the first formative dust particle to the almighty force from where the formative dust particle came into existence to today all the imprints are the sanchita karma inherited karma and from the time we got conceived in our mother's womb till today all the experience that we have gone through are also stored in our genetic center as prarapta karma this life birth karma then all the imprints that are collectively stored as resultant karma will based desire based futuristic resultant a means mind kam means desire a kamya karma futuristic resultant will based desire based imprints are also stored in our genetic center so combining these three karmas call it the three partitions of your hard disk c drive d drive d drive if you want these three drives come together to form the soul this is your soul genetic center is the magnetic vortex all the imprints forming your entire set of karmic imprints till today is your soul you can't separate the genetic center from the soul it is one and the same but now it has got imprints in it but in those imprints there are imprints that will manifest in action thought word or deed at the right frequency when you for instance sir you come from outside inside your house you have your car key you leave it in a side table you go inside then your wife tells you go by this and come you have to take the car you forgot where you have kept the keys you run here there there you are not able to recall okay wife says drink some water you will remember it or your mother will tell you just sit here relax drink some water you will remember it okay mother is saying drink a water sit down close your eyes i kept it here how did you remember because your brain has now come down to the frequency in which you created that memory of placing the key in that stool when the brain frequency matched that frequency of the memory 
tada, connection happened, recall happened, you are picking it up. So, the imprints are expanding and showing itself as memory recall in your mind. This is magnetism, magically playing itself in a transformatory state. Consciousness is now not only cognizing, created an experience imprint, but also expanding and showing it. Now you got a new experience. It discriminates. It says, ah, if I keep the key here, I have a tendency to forget. Now consciousness is comparing and understanding. Aha, there is a problem here. So you come to a conclusion. Consciousness is coming to a conclusion for itself is learning. You see how intelligent this beautiful consciousness is inside us. It is learning. It is observing and it is correcting. It is telling itself in the form of mind voice. Next time, if you come into the house, do not place the key here. Shukruta, please keep the key on the key hanger. Form this habit. Immediately you catch yourself. So your inner consciousness has spoken to you. Your outer consciousness is wanting to form a habit. So it repeats this phrase again and again in the mind. When I come inside, I should keep the key here in the key hanger. I should keep it in the key hanger. I should keep it in the key hanger. Okay, in order to remember this, what you do is you take 5 rupees from your pocket here, place it in one strange location so that you will remember. You don't generally do that, no? Suddenly you take a 5 rupee coin, put it somewhere. So next time you come back, you look at the 5 rupees, oh, yo, bah, yeah, just decided, I keep, decided to keep the keys here, no? Okay, I take the 5 rupees. So it becomes a reinforcement for you. This is all outer consciousness is playing. But the inner consciousness is constantly observing. Cognizing, experiencing, discriminating. It is telling you something is good, something is bad. If something is good, it then tells you, go ahead, continue. I am telling you, you are goodness. You don't want pain. You want peace. Continue in the process. So you seek out actions that will result in peace more and more and more in your life. You look for methods that will reduce the frequency of the mind and understand and realize the potential of the mind. You begin to explore new avenues of going to even deeper levels of the mind. In the process, you start to allow consciousness to develop itself. Constantly consciousness is creating newer and newer experiences, discriminating, learning and transforming itself to the next stage, next stage, next stage. Transformation from the first formative dust particle into non-living forms, Panjabodha element, to living forms with the formative energy particle free-flowing within the Panjabodha form from first plant to five sense animals to six sense human beings. Consciousness is transforming itself stage by stage by stage by stage by stage. And in each stage, 
it is keenly observing every time we experience a thought the thought not only becomes the imprint in our brain cells in our body cells and in our genetic center and biomagnetism it is also becoming an imprint across the universal magnetism all this collective universal magnetism waits for an appropriate time to manifest in a result which is in equal and opposite manner in order to expend the stored magnetic energy and release the formative dust particles to become one with that almighty force the moment the magnetic energy is spent the cloud containing the energy particles will get removed unknotted the knot will become unknotted as it gets unknotted the formative dust particles will slow down and finally it will become one with the almighty force the process of slowing down of an energy particle dissipating the last quantum of energy is the formation of black hole electron proton neutron in that order and the fourth stage of this energy particle is the black hole last quantum of energy dissipates so a black hole can be as small as an atom it can be as huge as millions of miles because many such formative dust particles can come together at the same time it can stop its function it can exhaust its energy in that process it appears like there is nothing there it can suck everything into it these have been studied and documented it has been visually artistically presented also the presence of light around a black hole has been photographed with hubble photo telescope and things like that but it has not been as beautifully explained by anyone else by but our guru yogiraj shri vedatri maharishi the formation of the dust particle and the dissolution of energy and the final reformation of the almighty force is the divine play of consciousness itself the consciousness is the power of perception consciousness is the power of discrimination consciousness is the power of cognition it is the power of experience it is the power that also has the ability to realize itself 